Welcome everyone. I mean, just imagine what it's like when there's a lot going on. The celebration, there's dancing, there's jumping and we as mothers, yes, we love to celebrate and we love to dance and jump and have a good time. But then you have the opportunity to meet someone who is truly a legend. That's exactly why this amazing lady is coming to join us on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. So for those who have never heard me speak, never heard her speak, this is an episode you'd like to listen to and connect with. I am Dr. Dini, the award-winning mom empowerment coach. I'm a family doctor, international speaker, and your host on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. This is a show where we talk about motherhood. The beautiful parts, the ugly parts, the challenging parts. And we share practical tips that we as mothers experience in our day-to-day life. And today is no exception. We have with us an amazing guest. She's Jen Drakes, and she's a woman who started not wanting children, but now she has four. <laughs> and she also made a transition to single parenting when the, her 22-year um, relationship and marriage came to an end. Now, of course, this decision was fundamentally hers. What She celebrates it in such a beautiful way. And as she's grown and worked to parent her beautiful children, she has also served as a parent to others as well. So she is known as Mama, okay, and the crown of being. So she is an amazing lady of, and she has also authored some amazing content and her book, we'll talk about that during the show and her show as well. So I have the pleasure to welcome today the amazing Jen Drakes. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you so much for that. What a beautiful introduction. It's hard listening because you're kind of like, wow, is that me? <laughs> Um, and, and it sends me down memory lanes when you're talking about certain aspects of my life. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, Duni. It's been, it's a pleasure. It's a long, it's long awaited and, um, just think it, the time is perfect. So thank you so much for having me. Perfect. And you know, the, th the thing about this is Jen, I would, I would really love people to get to know you. Like I have known you and even better as well. So if you would like to just tell us a little bit more, because I know I, I kind of gave a little summary and people are like, okay, you started from not wanting children and now you've got four. How did that happen? <laughs> Please share. <laughs> well, I had an interest in young life. I'm one of those souls that um, had difficulty in their um, childhood. Mm -hmm. So um, seeing that I came, you know, my, my father was not the, the, what I could call, I call him dad, actually not father. Cause I see father as such a pivotal piece in your life, much like our father, our savior. Um, so I don't actually give him that title. I give him the title of dad. And I, we don't have much of a relationship because his choices was not to to really nurture in the way of um, traditional um, fathering. And then I had a grandmother who didn't like the color of my skin and made life very difficult. So I came up in um, a very church oriented family that talked about the love of God and all these sort of things. And as a child, I didn't get it. I was like, there isn't, you cannot tell me someone loves me and gives me this kind of 
stuff to deal with. So I had a hard time with all of those. So obviously when thinking of children, I was a deep thinker because of those hardships. And I reflected on life very deeply. And I thought, there's no way I'm passing this stuff. <laughs> like I don't want to pass this on. So really at the age of 15, I was very adamant. I did not want kids. I'm very adamant. And I can articulate <laughs> and, and state why I didn't want kids until I met a wonderful, uh, you know, wonderful man. And, um, and we ended up married and I had four children for him. Um, but even in those hardships, because my father was an abuser mm-hmm. and um, we had, you know, I would say 21 amazing years of marriage. And then in 22nd, he became in the 22nd year, he became very unhappy and he was older than me, nine years older than me. And he was really wanted the retirement life. And I didn't. <laughs> and um, I, in fact, I can even see it for myself. And we were on different paths. And every time you try to to bring the relationship around he didn't want to he didn't want to talk to a priest didn't want to talk to a therapist didn't want to seek help so how can you help someone who doesn't want help for themselves that was one of the fundamental lessons in that experience um so after a year of strife it started to feel too familiar to my childhood struggles with my dad and what I saw in my household. And so the decision was very easy for me to then say, this is not what I want for my kids, because I knew how it passes along being the product of that. I knew how that trauma can pass along to children if I let it prolong. So I made the sad and very difficult decision that if you're not going to seek help, if you're not going to try and hold us together, then you need to go and find your happiness. And so I always describe it and why I use the word sad, it's just a releasing of um, on the basis of love to say, go and find your happiness because it's not here right now. And you need to go and discover that for yourself because you're not allowing us to be part of that. And you're creating disruption in the family that could have lasting impact on my kids. And if I have to choose, which is the irony now that for someone that didn't want kids, if I have to choose between my kids and you, guess what? (laughs) It's an easy decision. It really is, right? So that was what I did. So it only lasted for a year or less, but it was enough to kind of say enough. And I then stepped into something I never, ever saw for myself. Never, ever saw that coming, which was single parenting. I'm a, I, you know, my mom chose that and, and we pushed it on her because abuse versus I'd rather you be a single parent. And I didn't want it for necessarily see it for myself. Um, And it was scary. (laughs) But here's where divinity comes in. And in a lot of in my book, in a lot of things I talk about, um, my divine being within, because in this whole journey, one of the things I learned is divinity is within. You know, we look out and we pray outside and we look up and things like that. But it's really within. And I came to understand that. And divinity is an amazing thing. Uh, Divinity praised me that my decision was right. And they sent me what I call my nanny McPhee. And in one of my podcasts, um, season season two, I believe, but it's live 06, is um, I talk about my nanny McPhee because she passed away 
But Linda was my savior. She really was. And the, the heavens sent her to me. And she was able to handle the hours I needed. She was able to help. She herself had gone through a divorce and a, and a very, and a very, you know, um, animated one, a very hard one. So she got it and she was able to be there for me and the kids to be able to get beyond this and for me to step into that single motherhood. Yeah. And um, I don't know what I would have done without Linda. So, you know, and what is really gratifying when I come to today for my kids to look at me as adults and say, you made the right decision, Ma. Mm, oh, my goodness. I love really you, love dad, but you made the right decision. And that was where the, the thing. So there's a lot of messages I can give to to uh, mothers or anyone that's going through divorce that's trying to put the that is trying to stay because of the kids. That's not mm -hmm. the, the, the right decisions. I know it for myself, for what I went through. My mom was trying to do that. And yeah. we are me and my sister sat with her and said, this is not worth it. You know, it's not helping us mentally. It's not helping us, our, our family. This is someone not supporting our family. Mm -hmm. You got to let it go. Mm. Right. Mm. And she did. She listened to us. And the same thing, that was the reason I was able to see the, the the negative signs of where this could go if I didn't nip it in the bud. And today, me, you know, me and my ex talk, <laughs> we're, we're able to be very amicable to each other. So, you know, I hope he, I've never asked him if he's happy, but I hope he is. Um, but we are able, it's not a contentious of anything. And my focus then became my kids. But what I want to um, let you know, mothers know, <clears throat> I now consider it, and what a 360 degree turn, right? That's a, I now consider single parenting, not even parenting, single parenting as one of the single biggest honors I have ever been bestowed. Mm. It is one of my greatest achievements. Mm. It is the thing that allowed me to grow. Mm. My kids finally got to know me deeply. And I got to know them just as deeply because prior to that, I was a working career woman. And I took care of my kids. I was a single breadwinner. I took care of my kids and my husband took care of the, the kids. And I took care of, I, we really had a reverse family. So I was the breadwinner. He was the home mm. person. It was truly reversed. And everyone in our neighborhood knew that. Mm. Mm. They would always see him with the kids and and all of that. And what I came to realize when I stepped into single um, parenting was if that had continued, mm. I would have arrived in the same spot that men arrive in when the kids grow up and they don't quite know the father because he's oh. been out busy working. They yeah. know them, they love them, but they don't quite know them. Yes. And that was what came to be revealed when I became a single mother and I started, they would say things like about me and I was like, huh? No, that's not. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Oh, well, we see. No, 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 that's not me. <laughs> and I would actually then teach them mm. how I would think, what I would do, what, what, yeah. how I would approach the situations. Um, and I got to hear how they felt when they were doing something at school or something was happening at school and I couldn't make it. Yeah. And how they felt at that age. And we can now talk about it and really open it because I'm, I'm a person, I don't believe in, in closets. Mm. I don't 
putting things in closets. Let's talk about it. I may not, I may, you know, I may not like what I hear or I may not, I, or I might find it interesting, but we yes. can always talk about it. That so is... they shared with me how they felt yeah. mm. about those moments when I couldn't be there or when they would say, you know, dad would be, we'd be in the playground. We look and dad is at the fence looking at us and we can run to him and talk to him, but you weren't there. Mm. and how did that make you feel and they'd talk about it and I'd go wow I didn't think that because if you asked me from my perspective I was doing all the things that needed to be I was there I would see <laughs> that is so true I mean though sometimes we as parents we we think we're doing everything and it's not in the doing sometimes you just need that quality time as opposed to quantity exactly and being aware of how they feel that I love that, especially as you shared it, because many people are saying, you know what? I put a roof over your head. I put food on the table, I put clothes on your back. You should be happy. I give you games to play. Exactly. With. <laughs> you and, should be happy. But they, you know, and, and it's funny. It, it's funny you say that because one here, just to show you how you, you become so in your own world, right? You're, you're completely own world. They, they called out something that they did at school. And I said, I was at that. I absolutely was at that. And they said, yes, mom, you were at that one. But it happened every weekend. <laughs> From my perspective, it was an isolated thing. And I absolutely attended that because that was important to my kids. And they're like, no, ma, that was every week. <laughs> So every week, as a people, all the other kids' parents are, are, you know, one of the parents were there, and there'd be an empty chair where you needed to, <laughs> you know, and to, to think. And I would, you should have seen my face. I was like, "What? <laughs> Seriously?" And they're like, "Yeah, it was a weekly thing." But yes, you did come to a couple of them or whatever. You know, you did show up, and so, and I, in my mind. That was a one-off thing, and I did my duty. <laughs> Do you know, and, and you know the funny thing about it is that many mothers and that are probably listening are, are like, oh, my goodness, I can so relate. Because there are working mothers who, mm -hmm. of course, with their jobs, they can't just say, every week I'm going to go to an event mm -hmm. at my children's school. I mean, right. some people have got that ability to maybe because they've, they, they're working from home or they are mompreneurs. And so they can do that. But in certain like corporate work, right. it's going to be really challenging to be able to take time off and attend those events. And one thing that I've come across, especially speaking to mothers in the community, many mothers feel guilty. Well, they, I want to talk about that a bit. I really do. Um, because that is something I had to to really it, to me it's about being authentic mm. and the guilt comes from societal expectations of parenting and of mothers the that's where the guilt comes from i'll give you an an example i um when my my eldest was maybe two i think she was two she might even have been a little younger i made the faux pas <laughs> and it was really a faux pas i booked her into this program called jimboree and Jimboree is where the kids go and they have like um, gymnastics and there's these low be um, balance beams. Like they're, they're like an inch off the ground. 
So it see they weren't high, and these kids run and and all of that. And I take her, and I had booked. I let I believe I booked for like eight sessions, and I paid for this thing. And I take her to the first session, and these mothers are there going, oh, <laughs> you know, what's sweet. And I'm like, what? You know, I've like beam me up, Scotty. I do not find this at all stimulating. I don't see anything about like it's my brain is dying right now. (laughs) And my daughter to this, she she barely remembers it, but she goes, yeah, I I think I I do. You know, I did not find it fun. And I, I actually sat there and looked at all the other mothers and I thought, what's wrong with me? Why am I not enjoying this? Why? Why? You know, because they were making me feel like I needed to enjoy, but I didn't find it mentally stimulating at all. But you know, I was, and and then you know, the, she's on the bounce. I'm like, it's an inch off the floor. Like, what? <laughs> I can't join you on it. Like, I'd crush it. I can't join you on it. Like, what am I supposed to do? Just hold your hand and go, ooh, look, sweetie, look. It's so non-stimulating for me. I literally left it, picked my child up, handed her to her father. I never went back. I didn't even go back for my money. <laughs> I was just like, it's not happening. This is not happening, seriously. And I did other things with her. I would go to the to the library. We would read books. Like those things I found more stimulating, right? I don't mind sitting out and she's inquiring about all sorts of things I could speak. But that I couldn't. And, and there were about, I would say there were about 12 parents in there. So out of 12, I was the odd <laughs> that did not find any satisfaction in this. And I wasn't about to pretend I was. Mm. That was the thing. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I was more like an out-of-body experience of watching and trying to figure out why. That single lesson taught me that I needed to create parenting my way. Mm. I needed to figure it out for myself. And I didn't need to follow this supposed traditional or, you know, stereotype view of what a mother should be. And I needed to trust my children that they would understand. And guess what? They did. They did. So my message to, 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 especially the women, my message to them, society has so much viewpoints on what parenting and mothering is. And if you don't fit into that mold, create your own darn mold. Okay, my mother is like the perfect mother. My mother is a traditional mother. My mother loved cooking. She loved all like all the nurturing pieces. She's a matriarch. Mm-hmm. Them shoes, those, you notice how it said them shoes were too damn big for me to fit into. I tried. It didn't work. So guess what I did? I created my own shoes and put them next to hers. Oh, I love that. I created my own darn shoes and put them right next to hers. Mm-hmm. And I have four well-adjusted. They, some went through their challenges, right, with their fit in the world and all this sort of stuff. So I'm not telling you it was easy. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, I landed on four functioning kids, good citizens, responsible, caring, and if I can get a hundred percent out of my four, 
Stop trying to live other people's lives. Live your own, parent your own way. Kids get it. My kids today, the proudest thing I have of my kids, somebody said to me, you're not compassionate. And I told my child and my child looked and said, what are they talking about? You are very compassionate, mom. Now, how I would describe what they probably perceive as compassionate is you're, you are very direct mm. and you're very, that's not lack of compassion. And they, that's my kids talking about me. So they know they get it. Yeah. So create your own Darren shoes and stop trying to put them into somebody else's shoes or put your foot into other people's shoes. That's my message for the for mothers. And it's a really important one. Your kids get it. They have the capacity to process. They get it. And you then teach them the necessary things they need to do for themselves. If you don't role model it, you're yeah. giving them the wrong tools and you're giving them the wrong resources. Mm, it that is the right tools and resources to function and to do the right thing for themselves. And sometimes and choosing us mm-hmm. and framing it how they should then look at us yes. is a right tool because they then model it for themselves. Exactly. And that's what you do. Oh my goodness. That is so good. And I hope everyone listening is taking notes. I know some people are writing, running, jogging, cleaning. You need to come back to this episode and have a listen again, because there were so many gems that were shared, just listening to that period of I'm not fitting the mold that society has put for us. And like I always say, Society will tell you this is the way things are supposed to be. Your cultural background will tell you this is who you're meant to be. This is what you're meant to do. And when you fall short, you will either be crucified, ostracized, or criticized in a way that falls beyond um, the regular rebuke that mothers experience. And that's what causes stress for mothers. That's what makes mothers burn out because they're trying to do rather than be and so it's important like i say every mom is a super mom not because of the super things that she does but because of the superpowers she possesses within and so even on those days when you're under the duvet crying you are a super mom and that is something because you need to create and because of your superpowers Creating your own shoes is part of those superpowers. Absolutely. And and giving yourself grace and just say, I don't fit the mold. This is how I feel. This is this is how I parent. And 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 my kids echo it because when they were at school and they would have certain situations and they would stand up for themselves and the school would get upset because again, trying to mold them into their mold, they would say, Call my mom. Or if the school said, I'm going to call your mom, and they'd say, go ahead. <laughs> and the school would be like, what do you mean? Aren't you worried? No, because they said, my mom ain't going to react the way you think she's going to react. So go I ahead. That. I encourage you. Call her. <laughs> and they always told them, my mom has a completely different view of this whole thing than you guys think. So you call her and you tell me what she said. And I remember one lady called and... um one of my kids, bright kids, she had gone, she had, she had aced, like we have these um, exams that they have at periods throughout the kids um, raising to, to test math, all this sort of stuff. And my kid had um, gotten at the top of the ministry level um, thing. Then she goes into high school and she, and she fails the, the, the grade and not just her, um, 40 something percent of the kids failed. 
So <laughs> this principal, vice principal calls me and she's going, we want need to talk to you about your daughter. And this is what we think. And we think we need to, um, we think she'll need help and all that. I said, really? <laughs> I said, you're calling me about my daughter and 46% of the kids fail that grade. And you think she needs help? <laughs> like, what's wrong with this conversation? Mm. Why did 46% fail? What is it saying about what the education you're delivering or how you're delivering the education? But why are you do now on the phone calling all these parents, telling them their kids need help? The school needs help. Would you like me to come in and, and look at how you're do, delivering and guide you on how to deliver a program that actually engages the kids and gets them to think? I said, first, you have to answer, answer me. How does a child who was at this level drop to such a level? Would you like me to bring my child in to maybe explain to you what happened and what she mm -hmm. thinks has how she's been impacted? You know, the, but here's the amazing thing with me. She paused, she goes, nobody said that to us. I said, I know, but what are you, like, this is not to insult you, but I'm just saying, I think you're approaching it the wrong way. Because now you're making parents seem, you know, feel like something's wrong with their kids when it really is nothing wrong with their kids. The school failed those kids. So how did the school fail? The school should be looking at how they failed and calling me to say, you know what? This didn't work out quite the way we want. So this is what we're going to do. Not tell me some, my kid needs something. <laughs> she was, and then she was like, you're right. You know, I'm going to have to rethink this. <laughs> yeah, you go back to script one and call me when you've got it figured out. Oh my goodness. That is so good. And you know, that's just a typical example of being your child's advocate. Absolutely. Absolutely. As, as a mother, you, you're the one that knows the child. There's certain times, and I, I know I, I've shared this before um, in the coaching community, and I say, look, your child sometimes might be all meek and gentle in school and come home and misbehave. Mm -hmm. And you think they're just being rude or not very nice, and you're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so naughty at home? And then you go to school and you're all meek, gentle with the halo over your head. Why? Does that happen? Because the child feels so comfortable with you. Exactly. That they can be themselves. And sometimes they forget about the decorum, the um, way things are to be done. There's no rules. It's just an expression of love. Exactly. And we <laughs> think it's naughtiness. Yeah. And when we have that space where they can express themselves, we need to convert that into an expression of communication, coming to their level, saying, yeah. how does this make you feel? Do you know when you act like this, sometimes it makes me feel this way. And mm -hmm. then the child will understand that, hmm, I think I could modify my behavior of that uh, expression that maybe comes as naughtiness to right. an expression that is more cordial, more mm -hmm. loving, more communicative with my mother and of course with everybody else. And, and that, that's one thing I was thinking, you know, when you mentioned, and we know we're chatting earlier, we got kind of carried away talking about how um, you, you talk about communicating with your children, the younger ones and now the older ones and how that 
came up for you. So, of course, you, you've kind of gone through a phase where you've seen the children from being very young to teenage years to adulthood. H- how has that transition from the different phases of their lives changed or evolved? And how can we look at that differently or same way? So with, with one of my children, I had um, postpartum. I had a bout of postpartum. Um, and what? I, but even then, I, re- I realized I'm not the best with younger babes in arm because I mean, I need mental stimulation. I, I like a, my, my whole thing and even my writing and all the, you know, the content I create and things I do um, is about mental, you know, there's mental stimulation. And I found that at babes in arms, there was, it was hard for them, you know, to stimulate um, or could only do it in small bursts. Right. So then you, I was kind of lost after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband was very, very good in that. He was really, he really um, filled the gap there. Absolutely. And that's, I, that's why I'll always respect him. And I make sure his kids always respect him because he filled that gap when I couldn't. What I had been saying to you is that where it really started to click for me was around eight years old, where they could speak, they could probe, they could answer back, whether they answered, you know, or responded back right or wrong, that's okay, I can guide that. But at least they could respond back and say, I'm angry, or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worried, or, you know, things like that, right? I could, I could respond. Um, And I, and I started to really step into things at that age and beyond. Now they were all just a little preteen teen when the the marriage um broke apart. Uh so I got to go through their whole teenage years and again trust in their ability to um process um and really cuz a lot of times parents want to protect them. Don't protect them. They they get it. Just talk to them. All my kids when I, they went into high school there's only one conversation I had with them. I said to them, you could go in and you can look to your peers for the answers you seek. Or you could come to me and ask me. And the commitment I'm going to make to you is no matter what you ask, I will answer. Mm. Even if I'm uncomfortable, even if I thinking, why are you, you know, I will answer. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, wow. You don't need to go to your peers because when I was going to high school, I saw peers lead their peers down the wrong path because they answered wrongly. Mm. (laughs) And the the peers that they answered to couldn't go to their parents to ask these types of questions. So I need you to trust me. And all I ask is you go through high school. And if you have any questions, come to me. And they so said, so done. They all came to me to the point one of mine came and asked. And of course, it was sexually related. They asked, I answered, and they were like, okay, that's too TMI. <laughs> but I promised them, yeah. uh, you know, sure, my eyebrows as a parent are probably up and going, okay, well, they're good. <laughs> Why are you asking that? <laughs> right? 
And and at that time, I don't know. I, I think I it, they stopped it recently, but they used to have sex education in the in the school. So one one my daughter, um, one of my daughters, she was it was too it was too soon for her. She wasn't ready. She wasn't at that mind. And she came to me. She said they're going to have a sex education class, but I can't get out of it unless you sign. But I'm not comfortable right now going in that. And I signed for her not to. I respected that she wasn't ready. When she's ready, come to me. Right. That's fine. Or, you know, but get the information. So she got signed out of it. The other ones that are, they're much more, um, they, the younger ones always are. They're always a treat. Um, they had no issues. They came home telling me all the stuff that they did. And, uh, you know, all the, that might be X-rated for your show, but you know what they did. They were very vocal about it, shared it with me and we talked about it and all this. sort. But as they become curious don't be afraid to talk to them, but do it in a way like that they understand so they can self-respect and they can, and they can understand there's a way to look at it. Like things, for example, I, from the time my kids were small babies, I called their parts, their parts. I called vagina. I called peanut. I never tried to put a, you know, your peepee and your nonsense. I, I, they are not ashamed to talk about their body parts as a result. Wow. That's what they are. I remember being, you know, afraid to say the word vagina. I had to go to Vagina Chronicles. (laughs) You remember that show? That's how I finally got over that word. Swear to God, an adult go into this and going, I came out of the show going vagina, vagina, vagina. Because I had to condition my mind. That's yeah. that's the bloody body part. Right? Like, get over it. Exactly. And you know the funny thing about never say those things. Oh my God! Don't talk about those. Is those things society for some reason? There's some taboo words. Yeah. It's like no, don't mention it. But you know, whenever I've noticed something, whenever you make something a taboo, you make it something that people should hide, not speak about. Guess what? abuse comes in it's possibly because you you you're not like it's no big deal like it they grew up here and they they would tell you're like and other kids would be like oh no no and they'd be like but that's what it is exactly <laughs> or whatever but i never i never think i trusted the capacity of my children to process mm-hmm. understand and not be misguided by you know this these stigmas we have in society of things we should be ashamed of when i went to v- the vagina chronicles what was sad i was i think i was in my early 20s or something when i went to it and when i went what was sad was seeing 40 something 50 something some of them 70 something having a hard time talking mm-hmm. about this subject and i thought i don't want to be like that mm. So I came out to condition my mind to get, I, first of all, it was an amazing show. And second of all, I came out literally, I had to take a train back and I was like, vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> the train back. <laughs> and in my mouth, I was just, I wanted it to get past this stupid stigma. Yeah. And I was able to, and my children got the benefit of it. So yeah. when we're raising kids, really trust their brain power. Yes. Because if we as adults use what two four percent of our brain, not even, why not t- start our kids to use 
try to get to the 4% as young as possible, but also to make them feel very comfortable in their skin. And that was what I aimed for, um, for my kids. So I brought them up very different from us. I brought them up with also, I come from a culture, kids are seen, not heard. Mm. I brought them up to have a voice. And I'm not telling you that's an easy way to raise your child. It is. (laughs) It's very difficult because they will then have a voice and then you have to teach them scope and, and, and boundaries. And, Mm. you know, you've gone too far. Tailor it back. (laughs) Here's why you've gone too far. So sometimes you're 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 there's a battle, but then it 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 washes out. And now as adults, some in their early 20s, some in their later 20s, they are really, really level set on those types of things because hmm. I allowed them to have a voice. But it was very hard in my family. Some of my family would look at me and go, Your kids are rude. Well, no, they're just telling you how they feel. Exactly. Right. What did they say to you? If I felt they went too far, go and tell them, no, you can't do that. That's a, you know, that's a senior or whatever. You teach them how they, and they learn and then they adapt and, um, and all of that. So we need to give our children the benefit um, of the doubt and not try to shelter them in these societal stigmas because mm-hmm. we think they don't have the capacity to process. They absolutely do. And, and, and we could be doing more damage than good. That is so true. And even now, I mean, the children who were born 10 years ago, they are not as evolved as the ones that are born now. I don't know, these children of nowadays, they're, they're just so so evolved. It's almost as though they come out and they know more than us. Their brain processing power is probably faster. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking for some good research that will be able to tell me a little bit more because I am amazed at how quickly they pick up trends they pick up say music they pick Mm -hmm. up all these things that we would probably take some time to process and even handling devices electronic devices how they pick up what to do where to go how to solve that problem it's phenomenal and while of course we have a few people being labeled as oh these are the children of the this generation and they would not understand how to handle things we need to harness that power and help them to turn that into a superpower. So rather than just go on a device and just be faced into it, express yourself. Yeah. Be creative. So and you're playing a game. And exactly. tell me, what are you playing? Tell me what the characters are. But even if you sit, because I have a number, um, my children are gamers and one's a streamer actually. And, um, even as you look at what they what they play, um, there's some depth to what they play. Like it it it's pretty complex. It and when they tell you the strategies they have, it's really critical thinking in steroids. <laughs> That's what gaming is today. It's yeah. critical thinking on steroids. So they're able to process things and and you know react to things very quickly. Where the con is is they're being taught to be yes people. So they, they're not being taught to be um, advocates or to be, um, you know, to, to question or protest. They're being taught just whatever you're handed, you're handed. And that to me is the con of it. Mm-hmm. So they're so into the technology that the, the they lose sight of the fact that you could you know what I mean? That you could critical, like you can critical think some 
how street smarts yes is some aspects of the con of it yes. and and i'll give you an example like one of the kids called and they they went to get there was some sale and and if the sale's gone they have this con- concept here where they say rain check you could get a rain check for the sale so that when they get the product in again you could still get it at the sale price so she went in and there was a limit of three that she could get and she she called me and she goes well they didn't have the product but i got a rain check for only three and i was like don't we need more and she goes yeah but i, I can only get one rain check well just exit the store go back in the store go and get <laughs> Like it sounds ridiculous, right? Yeah. And I and she's like, what? And and I'm like, you do know you can get more rain checks. And you just have to exit <laughs> go back in. Go back in, <laughs> go to the desk and get another rain check. Ooh. They they see some like, you know, like it sounds but the fact that she couldn't critical, like she couldn't think that. She was just like, they only give one, I can only have three. And I mm. and I said, and even when they get in the product, you, you, or when it's ever on sale and you have the product and they have only three limit, if you need nine, just buy three, put them in the car, go back in, buy three, put them in the car. <laughs> Do you know the funny thing about this with you sharing that? It just reminds no, me of like, like, <laughs> I have to tell your audience, but when you talk to Jen, what you see is what you get, man. I'm as transparent. But I know it's funny as hell, but but like you know what I mean. And 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 now the parent, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm I'm I miss some things here. Yeah. Why do I have to tell you that? Mm. Right. Yes. So they're not they're not taught to they because even the games have rules, right? So yes. think about it. You put them in daycare, there's rules. Yes. You put them in school, there's rules. They're gaming and all the entertainment things that they do, extracurricular activities, there's rules. Yes. They don't get to be thrown out like how we used to be, where the kid the parent goes, get out of the house and go and find something to do, get grab your friends. And then we would critical think it <laughs> like if we if we got in trouble, run home. Ah, we're in trouble. Right. <laughs> I remember, I remember tobogganing down and didn't think it out right. Landed into a wall because <laughs> I did because you didn't really, you know, you didn't think it out. You think I did it a second time? No, I looked. <laughs> so we don't. Get, they didn't get these types of things because they have, you know, play play rooms rules. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's so, it. Yeah, we we don't really send them out and say thing because we're scared of what could happen and stuff yes. like that. So mm-hmm. there there are generations of kids that have grown up with rules and they've learned mm-hmm. how to stay within the rules. Yes. So because she's you know told that that's a rule, I can't do that. Mm. You can. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like real, and then they do and they go, "Mama, it worked," or you know, or "Mama, it worked." <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that, you know, I think with our human experience, with our um, ability and the way we were brought up with that experience of going out and learning from either trial and error or some other means, it has just kind of shown them that there are certain things that you need to think outside the box or even think like there is no box, Mm -hmm. you know. So you're not within a confined area. You know, it's not, oh, you can do this. You don't do that. You do, you know. So it's that um, ability to adapt 
Exactly. And it's even, and I want to make sure the audience don't think I'm, these are things I'm doing all the time, but even sometimes it's just having a conversation with the cashier where you go, you know, oh, my family is a lot bigger, so mm-hmm. I need a, a, a higher number. And they go, oh, but there's a limit of three, but don't worry, stay there. I'll put through the three and then I'll just do so you don't have to do that. You know, there's some cashiers, some will stick to the rules too. That's okay. But my point is you can have, you, there's a way sometimes to surmise obstacles Mm. and they're not always thinking that way because they're so used to the rules. That's the only con I see with the newer generation. Yeah. There's some cons related to that, right? And that is something parents, now how I bring it back to the conversation about parenting, that's things parents can teach yes. and impart because those to me are more survival skills and we all need to be street smart on how to survive ethically because it's not unethical but ethically survive without hurting anybody right Mm -hmm. not stealing from anybody and just ethically survive we get to impart that on our kids and that's where I think parents have to recognize what their kids are getting that are bonuses but what are they also missing that were bonuses that they still need to have and Mm -hmm. try to impart it on them so anytime I see gaps like that I fill it for my kids to say Mm -hmm. you know think about this if they don't want to like if they're really rule-based and that's their personality power to them right Mm -hmm. but I still impart on them because at the end of the day I still want them to be individuals Absolutely. I mean, oh goodness me, we we have talked about so many amazing things and I'm sure people are getting some amazing insights from what you shared. Because to be quite honest, looking at my own life, looking at the lives of mothers that I know, looking at the lives of children as well, growing up and becoming parents themselves, I, I look at it and say, there are certain things that you kind of wish you knew and there are certain things that even if you did not know, you can learn and say, oh, okay, knowing what I know now, I w- can do better. Letting go of that guilt, mm-hmm. letting go of that expectation of society. I mean, just so many things that people can le- learn from what we have shared today. And so I would like to ask everyone who's perhaps listening to come back, make sure you download this episode, make sure you listen again, make sure you share, because this is something that many mothers are worried about. And that's why you see many mothers going out and saying, what's that? What's the latest thing to do? What can, what's that golden nugget? No, be you, be authentically you, connect with your children, listen to them, let them feel free to express themselves and just help them. Yeah, and, and there's, there's one thing too that I will I will um, share is sometimes I I've heard parents go I'm I'm such a bad parent I'm not a good parent and that makes that kind of makes me like I, it saddens me and I always tell them um, one you can't say you're a good or bad parent. Mm-hmm. somebody else can't say you're good or bad parent. The only person that has a voice in whether you're good or bad parent is the child. Mm-hmm. And until your child tells you that, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Until your child actually tell, and I'm not talking from a teenage puberty tantrum, please. <laughs> or having hormonal, you know, that, that that's just teenagers sometimes, right? Because they're not getting their way. I'm not talking about, I mean, as an adult and that, child looks you in the eye and said you were 
not a good parent, don't fight it. Listen, explore why they say that and learn from it. But they're the only ones that have the right. Notice what I said, the right to judge, put a statement on your parenting. Nobody else does. Not your husband, not your spouse, not your partner, not you, not your parents. Nobody (laughs) has that right but the child. And I want parents to understand that and stop taking off and just take it off. Just take off the societal pressure that we can sometimes um, be bogged down by. And do there's no book on parenting. Now, I know there's lots of books when I say that. So I'm being really thing. But every child is different. So you could have book A with child A and it works. And book A does not work with child B, child C, or child D. I know I have to be a different parent with each of my children. There is no, so when I say there's no book on parenting, unless you plan on going and buying every book that's in the bookstore, <laughs> you got to figure it out as things come up. Yes. And just give yourself the grace to say, I've done the best that I can. Yes. Right. Just like the early story where I said, I thought, <laughs> That thing was a special occasion. Didn't know it was every week. <laughs> so when I apologized to my kids, I said, I honestly didn't know. They go, we knew you didn't know. Oh, you know, yes. and I apologized. But the, the point is, I did the best that I could do. And what I ask of them is to be good citizens, to go and live their life. That's why I put in all the effort to raise mm-hmm. them just as you're putting in all the effort to raise your child in the best way you can take the guilt off form your own shoes and actually it's quite a lot of fun forming your own shoes oh wow your own shoes teach them to love you for who you are so at the end of the day it's still a true choice of you choose you and teach your children how to love you and appreciate you mm. as you appreciate and love them. Mm. That so that's so... my thing. Take that, take off that cloak of guilt. There's Ooh. no perfect mother. There's no perfect, there's just a mother or a father, a parent. Yes. Right. And only the child can say, This worked for me. Yes. Oh wow. I love that. I think that's a very, very good point to kind of rest and say that's a takeaway for today's session. And I'd really like to know, and oh, guess what, everyone? Jen has given us a very special gift. She has given us a special gift of her book. It's an amazing book. And I'm going to put the link in the description so you can go in and download and read through. And I, I, I would really love you to connect with Jen. So, Jen, I'm sure many people are listening and say, oh, my goodness, this lady, we need to have some more talks. I need to know more about her. I need to connect with her. Where, where is the best place for people to connect with you? Please? Well, my main platform social on social media is LinkedIn. So you can always find me there, Jen with two N's and Drake's. Um, the other, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. On Instagram, we post my Divine Tastical Live-In guidance posts that comes out every week. There's um, always some nuggets there on how to live. And Divine Tastical Living is something I created that is really about being the artisan of your own life. So a lot of things that I talk about, even as a parent, I talk about as an individual and a business is how do you paint, you know, your vision or how do you paint who you are if you were given an empty canvas? 
because we are handed so much sometimes, you know, what I call shites. Mm. And how do you work through those shites, which stands for stuff harbored inside that eventually sabotages? So how do you work through those shites and clean out the one, the things that you got that you didn't want to get or you don't want to keep and put in your new version so that you create a whole new canvas? Um, the book that Dooney talked about is, um, Aladdin carpets. And instead of a canvas, I use the, a carpet. If you were to weave a tapestry of yourself, what materials would you use? What colors, what textures, what thickness? And if you were to step on that carpet and it were to soar, where would it be headed? And how can you get momentum and lift to do the things that you need to do for the one person I always talk to, which is you? I always have you conversations. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that for you and start to really craft Mm -hmm. And not do it for anybody else but you because your cup has to be overflowing to Mm -hmm. be able to flow beauty on to others. And you can't do it from an empty cup. Think of a a coffee ground, like when you drink your coffee and the grounds that are left. That would be what you'd be handing to others. Do Mm -hmm. you really want to hand that to others or you want to hand a hot cup of really nice coffee? I think we want to do. So overflow your cup first so that you are flowing just beauty and love to all other people. And um, so the book it speaks to that and starts to guide you on how you can start to think about you and your life and yes. what you may want to change mm-hmm. and what you love about you. Mm, that is so good. What did you add as well? And where do you want to go? Oh, perfect. I will put the link to the book in the description. So please go ahead download the book, have a read of the book, and also all the social media links. I'll make all available in the description so you can connect with Jen. It's been an amazing um, experience celebrating. This is the anniversary edition as well. So it is the anniversary series that we're doing for the Wellbeing for Mothers show. And I also want to share that Jen has also got a podcast. It's called Arrays of Living. So I would like you to connect and have a listen as well. So if you enjoyed this, please do connect and have a listen as well. So today has been really lovely having you, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Fabulous. And so here we are yet again, another amazing session where we have come, talked about this beautiful thing, journey of motherhood Ah. motherhood is beautiful and we as mothers sometimes we beat ourselves up we have so many things we experience the good the bad and the ugly just bringing that to light having a cup of tea as we discuss and just having a great time thank you for listening and tuning in for the well-being for mothers show i would like you all to share this Subscribe if you haven't already. Come back to this episode, listen and take some notes because so many nuggets were shared here. And most importantly, please leave a review because I'd love to know what your main takeaway was, what resonated with you, what you would like to take up and what you would like to hear more about. I am Dr. Duny, the award-winning mom empowerment coach and your host on the Wellbeing for Mothers show. And until next time, I ask that you stay well.